Hi, welcome to Unleash Ministries podcast, where Pastor Nathan Sanford will guide us through daily Bible studies, prophetic revelations, and life-changing encounters with the Father's love. Join us for near daily content as we dive into the Word of God. Welcome back to Unleash Podcast. I feel like it's been a while. Um, I mean, it hasn't for me in terms of making uh, different uh, material, but <laughs> I think it has been for me posting, at least here. I've done a lot, of course, on the YouTube and then on my other podcast with my buddy Keith. Uh, but the Unleash Podcast, this is chapter by chapter, verse by verse, and you'll have to excuse my voice. I got sick, which is so lame. And, uh, <laughs> If you know me, I never get sick. I mean, I went 10 years without getting sick one time. I, so and then the Rona hits and I've been sick more since then, like, you know, than I, than I ever have. Like if you added up all the last 20 years, I don't think I've been as si- like sick as many times anyways, because I have been. So you have to excuse my voice, my cr- uh, cloudiness in the brain here because uh, <laughs> I just have a little bit of the sickness. I hope you guys are all doing well. I hope you're not sick. I hope you had a great Christmas. I'm posting this one after Christmas. So hope you had a great, uh, an awesome Christmas. New Year's coming. Lots of crazy good stuff coming down the pike. And so anyway, this is my podcast. Just going chapter by chapter, verse by verse through the entire word of God. And right now we're on Second Peter, which is a short book. But once again, like super crazy important. And just to uh, remind everybody, like this is basically written around 63 AD, give or take. So we're talking about massive persecution. The Neuronic persecution would have been in full swing, which means that the Emperor Nero would have been persecuting Christians like crazy. And the first letter in Peter was addressed mostly to the churches surrounding Asia and Bithynia and these kind of places. Um, to basically talk to those people who are going through tremendously difficult times. And he's trying to be encouraging. He's trying to remind them who they are. And then he finds case for a second letter to basically the second, the same group of people, which is Second Peter. And the difference between this one, <laughs> sorry, if my voice cracks, you'll just have to excuse um, the fact that I'm going through puberty at 40, almost 48 years old. Uh, because I don't get what's, it's the sickness. So anyway, I was trying to sing and worship yesterday, and I'm like, Lord, you are beautiful. I'm like just cracking up like crazy, but I'm going to worship God no matter what I sound like. Dang it. So anyways, um, the second letter, specifically he wants to address false teachers and heresies that have come in. And the interesting thing is I want you to see if you can see what the false teaching is because it is very dominant and predominant, especially in the charismatic world, but it's everywhere. So um, I want to start with 2 Peter 1. We left off on verse 3. And I'm just going to jump right into it because I can't wait to talk about the Word of God. So he says 2 Peter 1, seeing that his divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness. I just want to under, everyone to understand some of the teaching he's coming against is, of course, like we see now, teachings that, that war and rage against the simple gospel that sound so holy on the surface, sound so good on the surface, but right underneath them or lacing them is actually a cutting away of the simple gospel of Jesus Christ. And of course, Um, What I'm talking about is when people attribute actions and their behavior 
to having something to do with making them holy or something to do with making them more righteous, their own actions. And it takes away from the power of God. It takes away from who Jesus is. It takes away from the simple gospel. And I just want everyone, of course, to know, and I, I don't know how many times I have to say this. I think I have to say it every stinking time, seems like, <laughs> that yes, behavior absolutely matters. And yes, he requires absolute obedience from us. So let's all understand that. So behavior definitely matters, and he requires absolute obedience from us as a result of our identity. And he requires absolute obedience as a result of the imparted righteousness and holiness that he gives us through faith. So I want everyone to understand that. Your obedience is not earning you anything. It's not somehow making you more holy or more righteous than the person down the street. If you pray for an hour a day and the person down the street prays for an hour and a half a day, they are not a half an hour more holy than you or more equipped than you or more ready than you or more anything than you. Because all you are that matters to God is found in the person of Christ Jesus, where his work is attributed to you based on faith. And his identity is given to you based on simple faith in Jesus and the simple gospel and the power of God to transform who you are. And from that place flows absolute obedience to the word of God and absolute obedience to the direction of Holy Spirit. But it flows from who you now are in Christ. You're not trying to be someone. You already are someone. And that someone is perfect in the eyes of Jesus Christ. And because that's who you are, absolute obedience and following everything Jesus says in the promptings of the Spirit is crucial in the Word of God. So, all that having been said, let's read that verse one more time. Seeing that His divine power has granted to us everything. Okay, so let's just stop right there. His divine power has granted to us everything. Not how much you pray, not how much you fast, not how much you don't sin or don't look at pornography or don't whatever. It's actually him, his divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness. Now, here's the interesting thing. So godliness, that's godliness, godly living, holiness, all the things you might think of is what is it is it to be a believer, what you do and don't do. That's life and godliness. And he says that that's granted to you through his divine power. Well, how are you accessing his divine power? Well, through faith, through belief, through. And then the second thing is this. Then he says this. How is it? Listen to this through the second half of that verse, through the true knowledge of him. So do you see what I mean? It's not. <coughs> sorry, I have to excuse me <coughs> in my little cough here and there. But he says what? Seeing that his divine power has granted everything pertaining to life and godliness through what? Through the true knowledge of him. So it's like, where does this come from? It comes from the, the true knowledge of who Jesus is. It's through the knowledge of the person, life, and work of Jesus Christ. And our absolute faith in that 
It is from that place that we have the divine power for everything in life and godliness through the knowledge of him. Not through more prayer, not through more fasting. Although, guys, I, of course I have to say this because somebody always says something about this to me. So, <laughs> yes, pray. Yes, fast in the leading of Holy Spirit. Yes, be obedient. These are wonderful, amazing spiritual disciplines, but they must come as a result of a knowledge of Him. And part of, I don't even know, uh, I don't have time to go into that, but let's just understand what the Word is saying here. And why is He saying this? Why is He saying, why does Peter find it necessary in the third verse to say that it's His divine power that's granted you everything to life and godliness? And it's through the knowledge of Him who called us by his own glory and excellence. Look, he didn't call us based on your glory or your performance or your anything. He called us based on his glory and his excellence. Yes, he loves you. Yes, you know, he, I don't know how to say it, but he called you based on his glory and his excellence, not on your character, based on his character. And I want you guys just to understand and hear all this stuff. Like, why is he saying this? Like, why does he... Why is he emphasizing this now, like right off the bat? And I want to tell you, remember, he wrote 2 Peter to combat heresies that were coming into the church. And they were the same false teachings and twisting of the simple gospel that we have in the church right now. It's the same thing. He starts off right out the bat by saying, it's his divine power that's granted us everything. And he's granted us everything in life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by his glory. And his excellence. Why? Because they were beginning to once again put all the burden on people. Put all the burden on how much are you doing this? And how much are you doing that? And how much are you not doing this? And how much are you not doing that? Now, I get, I totally get, guys, right now that there is this, I don't know how large it is. I'm told here in the South where we currently live, I'm told that this is a huge problem in the body of Christ. I don't really see it in the circles that I run in, but I, I'm just going to trust the people that tell me it's a huge issue, so I guess it's a huge issue. And that huge issue is we have a whole bunch of people who are going to church and set a prayer once at an altar call, live like hell, and think they're Christians. Um, and I guess this is a huge issue. I, I don't know. The, in my life, in the people I know, in my church that I currently go to, First Family Fellowship, I do not see this as a big issue. Like all the people I know totally love Jesus, want to walk righteously and holy, want to do all the right things and don't do the wrong things, and are doing them to the best of their ability. That, that is my experience. That is my circle. Now, maybe that isn't reflective of the body of Christ, because I'm told that there's this massive group of people who all think they're believers because they said a prayer once, but they live like hell. They live totally immorally. They're not obedient. Um, and so when I say things like it's not about your actions, it's about his actions, people immediately think like, oh, he just doesn't care. Like he, you know, he, he's one of those people that think they can live like hell. No, I don't think you can live like that. I think that that's crazy. I think if you, if you prayed a prayer once like Jesus, I believe you died on the cross for my sins, blah, 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 forgive me, come into my heart. And you live, ex you live, feel and think exactly how you did prior to that prayer, um, you are not saved. I, I don't have for one second think that somebody that doesn't care at all um, loves Jesus and is following him. I don't, the only way I could see that being the case, like somebody that has given their life to Christ and 
you know, just has uh, whatever, like surrendered to him and then are out living like hell and don't care. The only way I could see that being the case is somebody would have to be tremendously deceived. Like someone would have to have come under deception. That's pretty strong that I guess must have been taught to them or some kind of demonic oppression. But they would have to be royally deceived to think and believe and feel that it's okay to act any way that you want and somehow uh that's okay and that god doesn't care like so i don't that kind of teaching and belief i don't understand that but again i don't that isn't even my experience at all like the people i've bumped into at, at our church and and the church we were at previously to this the ark fellowship everyone i knew they loved jesus and they wanted to be obedient they wanted to seek god i, I simply did not see this as being a big problem now again maybe it is and and i don't see it um, you know, I, I don't, uh, or I just don't come in contact with it because I certainly don't. I mean, it's just not something I see. But if it is, then I'll say that. But the bigger problem I really see is all I my my experience has been that I've come to a lot of people who totally love God, love Jesus, and are walking under spirits of shame and guilt, and are trying and working so hard to be acceptable to God or to somehow work up their salvation and are so afraid of anything they do wrong the hand of god is going to smite them and they're always concerned if they prayed enough and fasted enough and i'm not talking like always concerned in terms of like i just love jesus and i always want to be before him i'm talking there's a i'm not talking about a healthy fear of the lord either i'm not talking about like taking a healthy inventory of your life which the bible also recommends that we do like hey examine yourself paul says to see if you are in the faith like i'm not talking about that like there's healthy times where we look and go, okay, am I off anywhere, Lord? Like, have I gotten off in some way? I'm not talking about that. I see most of these people, they fall into just self-condemnation. They are running a rat race. They can never win. They are constantly lonely, frustrated, angry, under, they're, they're choked, they're cut off, and they're in bondage because they don't have the revelation of the simple gospel that's poured out on almost every page of Scripture because the Bible has been twisted and maligned to create some weird other kind of religion to put in bondage the humble lovers of God instead of releasing them to change the world. And so that's what I see way more than the other thing. And that's what Second Peter and Peter's addressing here is the teachers were coming in teaching a works man-centered gospel instead of a Christ-centered gospel, which is why he tells them right off the bat, He's already granted to you everything in life and godliness through the knowledge of him. And then verse four, listen to how he says this. For by these, he has granted to us his precious and magnificent promises. For by these, for by what? What's these? Well, these meaning the revelation of Jesus. In other words, by the revelation of Jesus that he just said, or the knowledge of him is how he calls it. Um, he has granted to us his precious and magnificent promises. Remember, the promises are granted not based on your behavior. The promises are granted based on his behavior. Again, it's our faith that in him that enacts the promises, not your works. Once again, works definitely matter. Obedience is very, very important. But if we cut it off, if we divorce it from this fertile ground and the fertile soil of the simple love of God, 
in the precious gospel, then what you have is a weird hybridized version of the old covenant and new covenant. And that's almost entirely what I see in the body of Christ. I don't see the abuse on that one side. I see the, as far as I don't see as much of the abuse or almost ever of the people that are like, yeah, I'm saved. I love God. And then they just wander around living these horribly immoral lives. I, I don't, I mean, maybe that happens a lot. Once again, it's just not people that I personally know. The ones I personally know love God. They are sold out to him. They want to do the right thing. But so much bad teaching has gone out there that they are cut off and they are in bondage from the simple love of God. I don't, I don't mean they never experience it. I just mean it's like chains on them that they carry around. It's like a weighty thing around their neck. And it's not, it's not the yoke that is easy and the burden that is light. Because he says... By these he has granted to us, by these meaning the knowledge of him and the, that unleashes his glory and excellence, he has granted to us his precious and magnificent promises so that by them, meaning by the promises, you may become partakers of the divine nature. Now listen to what he just said. <coughs> you may become partakers of the divine nature that's like whoa like wait a second you're saying the actual nature of god i get to be a partaker of that kind of holiness goodness righteousness yes you do and once again it doesn't say he's granted to you his precious promises by how much you prayed it doesn't say he's granted to you his precious and magnificent promises um, such as becoming the partakers of the divine nature because of how much you didn't do bad things. Like he, he, he's saying this is coming because of the knowledge of him that you granted to us precious and magnificent promises. And so that by them, meaning his precious and magnificent promises, you become partakers of the divine nature. Now here's an interesting thing. He's about ready to make a segue into why now you need to walk in moral excellence, et cetera, et cetera. But he just set the stage for, look, what you need to do is understand that it's by him, his promises, the true knowledge of him, all, all this, you have the divine nature. This is who you are. And then, so anyway, it looks into the second half of that. He says, having escaped the corruption that is in the world by lust. So see, you're, you've escaped the corruption that's in the world by lust because of his promises and his amazingness and his glory and the knowledge of him. This is the power of the simple gospel. He said, this is how you've escaped all that. Then he goes into, now therefore act like this. And I want everyone to understand that the entire New Testament, or virtually, is written essentially in the same way, whether it's Paul or Peter or John. What you basically have is they go, look, they don't say perform. Start acting like this, you idiots. They don't do that. They go, you are holy. You are righteous. You are the children of the living God. You are partakers of the new covenant. You are priests unto the most high God. You are sons and daughters of the living God. Like, this is what they say. This is who you are. This is who you are. And then they go, therefore, act like this. In other words, they say, therefore, act morally. Therefore, use self-control. Therefore, don't fornicate. Therefore, honor your father and mother. Therefore, love each other. Therefore, have self-control. Therefore, be kind to one another, etc., etc. So 
But does that make sense? I hope everyone understands what I'm saying is almost the entire New Testament, it'll start with, this is who you are, therefore act like this. It doesn't say, act like this and then become who you are. <laughs> it doesn't say that. It doesn't say, perform this and maybe you'll be good enough to be considered a holy guy. No, they say, you are a holy guy, therefore act like this. And this is what we have to understand in the simple gospel. And this is what Peter is trying to get across in 2 Peter, is that these false teachers have come in and taught, it's the other way around, perform and then be blessed. Perform and then maybe be accepted. Perform and then maybe have this identity. And it's the opposite. He's like, you have this identity, therefore live like this. This is who you are therefore act like this and it is a gigantic difference and it is the difference between the old and new covenant at least one of them there's lots of differences but that's one of the biggest that is through faith makes you who you are and then now go out and act like it now go out and live the kingdom of god now go out and rise up and change the world and bring the kingdom through laid down love that's what he says so we're going to get into that like now for this reason the verse five we'll enter into that in the next podcast um, I will talk to you guys very soon. We're going to dive into 2 Peter. We're going to have all kinds of fun. And then we're going to go back to Galatians, and we're going to hit that up with some major power. So um, I love you guys, and I'll talk to you soon. Thank you for listening to Unleash Ministries podcast. We pray you are blessed and encouraged by an encounter with the Father's love poured out through His Word. If you would desire to bless this ministry financially, please visit www.unleashedchurch.org and click on the Give link. Thank you.